Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the Hotel series. Joining me all the way from fictional France is my Vox Vomitus vixen. Fictional France, I just needed to do the alliteration. Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes Dibs, Since September, Move on Melinda, and the recently released Climb the Salmon Ladder. With us today, not from fictional France, <laughs> is New York Times bestselling author Madeline Martin. And we are here to discuss her new book, The Librarian Spy, which is also my dream job. <laughs> that or like um, somebody who runs a haunted bookstore. <laughs> Both valid career choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Madeline, welcome back to Vox Vomitus. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be back here with you ladies again. And I love that you guys decided to do a 1940s theme for this. I am in it and I am I'm here for it. I love it. You ladies look beautiful. We're also presenting in fictional France. This is a red wine and not Mike's hard red, whatever it is, but it's hot. It's too hot for wine. It's I need something cold and I am day drinking. But it's France. It's okay. It's France. France. You can I'm do whatever you want. Wine. So let's just pretend like this bad boy is filled with wine in a while. It's going to be a wild <laughs> evening. Cheers to everyone. More full of wine. I love it. <laughs> so I tried really hard to get victory red lips, but I realized somewhere during the pandemic, I threw out my red, red lipstick. So I spent like... Um, too much time today trying to mix colors where I'm like what if I put on a burgundy and then hot pink and I'm like nope no not that what if I do like an orange brown and then the burgundy nope still bad this so. is my victory red but mostly all it does is show my rodent yellow teeth so I'm not sure the widest widest choice but I do like it and it is my favorite red but whether it was a victory to wear it <laughs> I'll just go back to you. Well, I think that both of your lips look beautiful. Mine is from um, a Yours kit. Red red. Well, mine is from a kit that I got for free. Like when you buy like too much money worth of makeup and have regrets later and they give you the little free satchel that really you were in for in the very beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I got it from that from like five or seven years ago. So mm -hmm. it crumbles midway through and like departs from my lips. <laughs> well, looks my victory red lipstick that I had apparently thrown away at some point was also a freebie because I'm like, why would I buy this? But again, I bought it because I wanted the little bag that came free after That's spending why. like $145 on uh, like mascara. Yeah. And then you never use the bag because really it's too small to even put anything in. So why do exactly. we do it Because it's cute. We it's like cute. cute stuff. Mine was like a fuchsia. At some point. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I laugh because this isn't from that, but it's the same brand that my mother-in-law, she gave me the freebie. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? This stays on when I drink, when I do my show. So that's why I only wear this kind because I have other colors I like. But this is the only brand that I look. It doesn't stick to my drink. I can I can do that. It doesn't come off. You're it's so good. Stuff. And yet they don't pay me to wear it. It's very sad. <laughs> they should. They, they should. should. They should. They're, they are not interested. Let me know if I wear any of mine on my on my teeth later. We'll, we'll tell we'll you. We'll let you know. For now. We'll just be like. <laughs> That'll be the, our, our um, spy code. I don't, for people who are, for people who are just French listening poetry. to this, yeah. they're Instead like, of, what in, is happening? Yeah, it, some people are using a cipher or a French poem mistranslated somehow. It's like, no, no, if it's the canine tooth, that means the allies attack at night. This, this is what the spies really did. I like no, this. Did. You were pretty much made for spy work. I'm just saying. Like, I, she's wearing the beret. Hello. Oh, the beret says spy. I was looking for a baguette, but my kids ate them. <laughs> and I'm dressed as the librarian. Or like librarian. what? Like as like as you know, I was gonna say sexy librarian, but I feel like viewers would be like, I beg to differ. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a sexy librarian. I like yeah. it. Thanks. So sassy we, librarian. We'll go for the alliteration. Sassy, <laughs> sassy, sexy librarian. Yes. Um, Madeline, 
we've just babbled for like the first, this is what we do, five minutes of the show. Um, Four minutes, 30 seconds, we're fine. You're here to talk about The Librarian Spy, which is your follow-up to the blockbuster sensation, your last book, which was The Last Bookshop in London, which was also World War II set. Yes. Um, Tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about The Librarian Spy, which again is another World War II set book, hence our 1940s outfits. Thank you. So uh, the Librarian Spy actually um, is uh, starts off with okay. Wait, now I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we're you too much. We're sorry. I know we're, this is not an interrogation. You're <laughs> not pulling out your nails. I really should have been drinking. That's my problem. This water just isn't cutting mustard. No, it doesn't. It never does. No. But yeah, so basically the librarian spy, really the inspiration for it was uh, the American librarians that would go to neutral countries to gather publications and uh, and other various intel that they could send back to America to sort of research things like, um, like, so for example, um, in the Warsaw ghetto, when they were collecting all of the fur coats from like all the Jews that were in the ghetto, it's because they were going to attack Russia. So seemingly like, you know, uh, little things that wouldn't make a difference actually are, uh, have huge impacts on the intel. So, um, so part of the character, which would be Ava's character, which is Jennifer, um, <laughs> she was actually working for the Library of Congress and she gets sent over to Lisbon to do research. And the other character, Alice is Allison's character, Elaine, <laughs> and she was inspired by an actual French woman who worked with the French resistance and the underground printing press. And so these two women will sort of uh, get to uh, communicate through coded messages. Sorry. Which is a lot different than how Jennifer and I actually communicate, which is constant text messages. It would have been a lot yes. easier if constant they had constant text messages. text messages. BT dub, sending refugees, TTYL. Okay, bye. And then, like, and then a meme that has Adam Driver in it for some reason. So. <laughs> it was it's probably a few emojis, right? A few yeah. emojis, yes. like the little We're bourbon no glass. Oh, um, yeah. The, no like, emojis. shrug emoji. <laughs> What are those not? I roll occasionally. I swear to a day that goes by, I don't use the eye roll emoji. <laughs> I feel like my most used emoji is that like face that's like, ugh. You know, like, just like that, that like yeah. cringe, cringy smile face. Very, very <laughs> no, and I love that you had the, the dual POV and not just so that Jen and I could each do a different character, but you had different, <laughs> the different countries even represented and how the different countries were faring during the war. So the librarian spy is based on one character who's there, but she's she's in Portugal where it's a neutral country. And then uh, Elaine is set in France where it is not so neutral and they are not doing so well. And just the experiences these women had were very different. They were not drinking a lot of, pretend this is red wine. Yeah. They weren't drinking a lot of that because all the Nazis got it. So And just like the, the lush descriptions of food or what was passing for food was <laughs> also- you. Yeah, I kind of research, um, just reading a lot of firsthand accounts and even just getting to have the opportunity to get to go to both countries and get to see everything. But, you know, really like the the dichotomy between the two countries, it was just it was so vast. You know, you had in in Portugal, you didn't have um, really any rationing going on. Apparently, there was like a blip uh, toward the end of the war where there was a slight ration going on. But it was so minuscule that I couldn't find any information about it. Um, and, and actually, the funny thing is the way that I started doing my research is um, I got this like it's like sort of like Google Translate, like upgraded. Um, and so uh, so I would type a question. For spies. Yes, for spies. Of course. For Google spy. Yes. <laughs> Google spy translate code thing. And so, so I would type a question in Portuguese. And, or in English, and it would translate to Portuguese. And then I'd put that in my search engine, and I would get oh, Portuguese results. Oh. And then I would translate those back then to know what you were looking at. You're like, I don't know. And then over and over again. Like yes. Because I have to say, there was not a lot of information out there about mm-hmm. Portugal during the war. Because, in fact, um, I actually had asked a question uh, sort of like on a forum at one point about something that happened in, in Portugal during World War II. And somebody said nothing happened in Portugal during World War II. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Actually, yeah. a lot of people did, but okay. You know, but that made it really interesting because so you're, you're, the last book we read of yours, The Last Bookshop in London, tells you by the title that it was in London. And yes. I think a lot of us kind of know the blackout. And for people like me, we grew up going, yes, and all the children were sent off to Narnia to keep them safe. So that's what happened. And we know kind of the American experience. And yes, while Ava is American, she's experiencing it in Portugal. And if you would have asked me what role did Portugal play in World War II, I'm like, 
I don't know. Were yeah. they there? <laughs> What's funny is one of the I, places. France, yes, Portugal. And I've been to Portugal and spent time there, and I still had no idea. Like a reading this, I'm like, oh, they were neutral. Well, yeah, that makes a heck of a lot sense. of sense. That's well, why they're still there. That's <laughs> why the buildings every, are still here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and it seems like every country has some sort of World War II commemorative museum or, mm-hmm. or like plaques and, and memorials and everything else. And there's none of that um, in yeah. in Portugal, at least not that I was able to find. Um, and and I think it's really because you know for them. It wasn't, it, they didn't have the horrors that were really accompanied with it yeah. everything. Now, I will say, for those of you who don't know, a little fun fact for you. Um, so Ian Fleming's 007 series was actually inspired by his time in Lisbon, Portugal. So that oh. will kind of give you an idea of how many spies really were sort of coming and going. Everybody's and- a spy there. That's the only reason they're there. They're just hanging out to spy on each other. Yeah. They're buying magazines, they're eating food, and they're Mm -hmm. going to like fantastic dinner parties where they have to wear elbow gloves over the elbow, which I almost wore today, but it didn't go with like my everyday work dress. Well, and I'm not going to lie, if I tried to drink in gloves, it sounds elegant, but I would totally like slip and- Oh yeah. How do you- You need Um, texture here. You need like gripper. (laughs) Yeah, you do. For drinking. I had gripper gloves for band. I don't think that would apply. I've done a lot of like- um, I'm going to call it like elegant cosplay as like a ballroom dance teacher. Mm-hmm. Like we did a lot of like period parties, lots of 1920s parties, some yeah, 40s parties. Nice. And so I own a ridiculous amount of like um, little first stoles uh, over the elbow opera gloves. And it is incredibly difficult to drink in gloves. Oh, yeah. You, I it's just like it's I'm not bad. glamorous, especially when they're white gloves. Because um, I'm sloppy and I will <laughs> always spill something. So then I'm wearing like white silk gloves and it's like looks like I've committed a murder. <laughs> it was a little Keontae. It was no big deal. <laughs> but okay, can I get the job of being a librarian spy? Because when I was reading what they were asking her to do, first off, I don't speak enough other languages to qualify. My Spanish is terrible and that's really all I got. So I would not qualify. But I was like, idea, I know okay. a little French and a little German. You can so, speak. Okay. Yeah. Can R- Roman teach you a little bit of Russian maybe? I know some Russian, but it's mainly curse words. <laughs> Maybe I mean, how can you curse by work? Yeah. <laughs> just, the, just the idea, like, okay, so you get sent to a foreign country that's neutral, and your job is to pick up people's papers. And I was like, this sounds like a great job, but then she's got to make them all fit on microfilm. And I'm like, peace out. Nope, not doing that, because that sounds yeah. like the most tedious, horrible work ever. Yes. I feel like nowadays that would go to an intern. (laughs) Spy interns. (laughs) There's your comedy. The intern spy. If I ever need like a a follow-up book, there we go. The spy intern. (laughs) The spy interns. You're like, yep, no, that's that's what my interns do. That's how I grade. I go to the dinner parties and get hit by attractive Russians or Austrians. Yes. You know, these these poor like librarian spies though, they really Mm -hmm. were sent over and they were like, Go on, you guys got this. And everybody else, all these other countries, like these are like consummate spies. Mm-hmm. And the poor Americans are like, oh. You're like, oh so I buy newspapers? Yeah. Like, this is all you brought me? Right? Nobody told me what to do. And, the, and poor Ava, nobody tells her what to do. And I, I do love that the very first time she's out, she basically is like regurgitating, not quite state secrets, but she's like, my neighbor, she yeah. asked this. And they're like, uh, dude, that guy's not, he said he was Austrian. I know. Austrian well, yeah, yeah, and they actually did have um Aust- they they had uh, German spies actually did pretend to be Austrian specific to woo the American women who were over there to get secrets. So because we're a sucker for accents. They we're easily then, they yeah. know it now. Yes, yeah, so that, that actually came from actual historical fact as well. And, and and her being all blubby with that, that was me. Because I was like, that's what I would do. And I, I will just say, Alex and I pictured him as um, Alexander Skarsgård, as we do for any, like, um, dashing, blonde, kind of villainous, maybe Nazi type. Or it's yeah. like, ooh, yeah. if that was Alexander Skarsgård, I, too, would probably have to spill mm-hmm. the and I, I said him after I said, and I had to look up his name, is Lucas Kleintank, which didn't help that he was also named Lucas. Oh, yeah. Was in, did you see him in Man in the High, in, um, High Castle? 
So again, a blonde Nazi. trying trying yeah. to pretend he's not a Nazi, but I see that Liebensborn, he's Nazi, just all over Nazi every time. So if we're if we're getting a movie out of that, that that's who my suggested casting is. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think you have Ava and Elaine right here. If you want to go into yeah, I mean, I did go to school for theater. <laughs> They're a little older than the Kate. characters. Older. They have great lighting. They have great lighting. Nobody also, has ten years off. We're good. You can pretend to be American because you are. I cannot do a realistic French accent. All you have so. to do is go, hum, 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 Just throw an ooh la la every now and then. Ooh, like, oh, oh, is it? And just like maybe smoke and just be oh, yes. like. I can't smoke either. No, and cigarettes. I I just, oh, the candy ones that are bubble gum and then I start yeah. eating. <laughs> like, yes. You really only get like one good puff on those, I think. Yeah, yeah like, like, the and then stuck to your lips. I and wonder how the lips, and then afterwards you'd be like, <sighs> and it would just get like all gummy inside because it would just fill up a spit. So like Madame, as opposed to the real thing that you were saying, where people would they'd have like a puff of cigarette and then put it out and send it to someone else who needed the cigarette more. I'm like, does anybody need a cigarette more? But yeah, if you're addicted to the nicotine, you really kind of well, do. It's not even actually the addiction to nicotine. It's that the, currency, you could trade it. the, the currency of cigarettes was so incredibly high for the people who were addicted. Yeah. Willing to trade things like bread and food and, and, you know, necessities for that cigarette. That, that partially stubbed out pre-smoked cigarette. <laughs> Yeah. So Madeline, you know, we're, we're laughing, we're having a good time. We're pretending we're in Lisbon. Um, but you deal with a lot of like very bleak, very tragic. Obviously this is heavy world war two stuff. Yeah. This is not, um, though we're laughing and having a good time and Allison and I are wearing like ridiculous outfits. Um, we're getting serious now. We're getting serious. We're talking about the book. Um, that is hot. This is, I get that. you know, it's a heavy, it's a heavy book like subject matter wise, especially yeah. Elaine's storyline. Um, and, you know, so I know you were writing this and researching and traveling during the pandemic. How did that, like, how did it affect your mindset to be going through as like the whole world was kind of, we were thinking it was the end of the world at the time. And you're researching and writing this book that was in fact the end of the world for yeah. Many people living it. Yeah. And, it, you know, the thing is, like, I think with writing books like this, you're a lot more sensitive to current events. Um, like, for example, when I was really, because I actually wrote the book in two chunks. Um, I wrote first, um, first I wrote Ava's POV, all of hers. I actually pre-plotted it out. So it was all plotted oh. out perfectly. And then I, I only wrote Ava's and, and that's it. And then I only wrote Elaine's and then I spliced. Oh, oh I was wondering. And actually, fortunately, my, my plotting was detailed enough that it was seamless. I was very proud yeah. of myself. Like, typing for the win. Like, take them by stack of chapters and then just shuffle them like a stack. Yeah, like, like, that's no, I, actually, well, I, um, I write in Scrivener. And so oh. I just wrote, I just, all the odd chapters were Ava and all the even chapters were Elaine. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that, and I just finished reading it last night. <laughs> All I could think I mean, was, I how did she go back and forth like this? No, I mean, it, it was really yeah, back and forth. But, well, but the fact that they, they had their unique voice when I was yeah. writing it, too. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, the thing is, so when I was actually, it was interesting, because when I was writing Ava's POV, everything was happening in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, with all the refugees and everything and um, like all the refugees that were coming into America. I had a friend who was actually helping out at a station that was accepting refugees and helping them get placement in America and jobs and everything. And, uh, and it was so interesting to interesting and heartbreaking to really read about these people in Portugal, because uh, for those people who don't know um, with it being a neutral country, refugees came into Portugal in the hopes that they could go somewhere else um, and it was sort of relative safety because there's a lot of reasons. Um, but, but, you know, at any point, Germany could decide to attack Portugal and easily take it. And then they would once more be under Nazi occupation. So, you know, it really was sort of like a tenuous uh, level of safety. And, and they really were sort of like in this interminable wait trying to escape as well. Um, and so, you know, reading all of these stories about these refugees who were essentially trapped in Portugal trying to escape and then and then reading about all the Afghan refugees coming in and and like, you know, the things that they were saying, the things they were experiencing, all of that being really echoing in my research. It was it really did have a very profound impact on me while I was writing those particular scenes. 
Well, and they were heartbreaking because you'd be reading about these people here who some of them might be wearing like their fanciest clothes because they literally had to wear them out and they've got these jewels and stuff. And yet the jewels wouldn't be enough to really buy them food or anything like that. And then whether or not they had a visa to leave and then whether or not they could actually get on a ship and, and just the bureaucracy. I mean, none of us like bureaucracy now, but the idea that your life depended on whether or not you could you get six copies of something. Exactly. Oh, and, but you yeah. managed to lose two copies. How is that? They were all in the same envelope, but all right, I'll do it again. And right. Well, and the thing is so many so many countries didn't want to say we aren't accepting any more refugees. Mm -hmm. So rather than say that, they just made the red tape super thick so yeah. that nobody could get through it. And in that particular instance, like with having to have so many copies and having to have, you know, and a lot of these people needed to have like um, either a character reference or they had to have a proof that they had the mm -hmm. income that would sustain their life in America. These people didn't know anybody in America. They they escaped with the clothes on their back. Right. They, and now you want a character reference from no. who? Everybody we know is dead. So how is that exactly. going to work? Exactly. Or nobody that you know is in America. Um, right. You don't have the opportunity to have a character uh, witness. And, and, you know, the thing is, like, um, and, and it's interesting because I thought this was just America, but I've actually read it in uh, an additional research that I'm doing right now in my, my next book, Set in Warsaw, Poland. And and it's called The uh, the Fifth, what was it, The Fifth Agent? Fifth and agent. so basically what The Fifth Agent is, is it is the person who is pretending to be a refugee that sneaks through the borders and actually is a spy yeah. for the enemy that is now living, <clears throat> excuse me, that is now living in America under the auspices of being a refugee. And so, you know, that's so many refugees are want to do, you know, lose or spies want to do, you know, uh, let's lose most of our body weight. Yeah. Let's have maybe our fingernails pulled out. Maybe our teeth have been knocked out. We are definitely spy material. Definitely. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really, really, uh, it, it, but the thing is, you know, Americans were terrified of the fifth agent. I mean, it was, they were always talking about it in newspapers, watch out for the fifth agent, you know? And so like, they really, like the media really worked up Americans to be so freaked out by the idea of this sort of, um, you know, this inconspicuous fifth agent that would be coming in and, and taking all of America's secrets. Because if you think about it, we're so insulated by the ocean. Yeah. where we are, you know, yeah. especially when you think about whatever was, what was happening in, in Europe, it was all right was there. So and far we were, away. We were so far away. And so we had that insulation. And when you think about the fact of like, all it takes is really one kind of like the one bad apple to kind of ruin the bunch. Mm -hmm. It really just takes one person kind of coming over and getting mm -hmm. the right information. And, you know, we could have been in a very bad situation. So it was, it was very much built up in people's minds. Like this fear was very, very real. So, yeah. and I feel like we're, we still experience that now. Yes. I mean, we definitely do. Um, I remember it's, you know, many years ago now, but I am married to a Russian man. And when we first got to know each other, we were living in a different part of the country and there was a Russian spy ring, which were sleeper agents that all got kind of busted about an hour and a half from where we live. Oh boy. Like wow. children on up. It was like a family of seven people that were brought here. And and it and this was like in Ohio, which is so weird. I think I saw that as a plot of a movie recently. I won't say which one. Yeah. But I mean, it was just very strange. And like, I just remember like looking at like my now husband and just being like, that's insane. Like, I never thought he was a spy. And he's like, just so you know, I'm like, I'm not a spy. Like, I'm not from Ohio. I'm, I'm not one of those. Ballroom dancer, those. not spy. Yeah. But that would be a good, ball, good ballroom dancer spy. Ballroom yeah. dancer from Ohio spy. That's what it was. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I think even now, like, our country still, and I don't want to get like too political at all with this, but like we still kind of demonize other places and say, oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah, that just takes like one bad apple to come in. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, I mean, like I said, I think it really has to do with the fact that it's because we are so insulated, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, it does, it does get so incredibly complicated because I have families that's all military and, and, you know, works with the government and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, we get into these discussions and, and you hear like all the, the deep, you know, the layers and, and everything. And yeah, it does get, it does get very convoluted. Um, what I'm hearing though, Madeline, is you actually have the state secrets because you're related to all these people who, when they start drinking at the family get togethers, they're like, by the way, right? by the way, did you know that they're still recruiting librarian spies? 
sign me up and then teach and me. You could be like, I know two people that language. are right for the job. Right? One doesn't speak French, but she looks French when she wears a beret. <laughs> and that that is the most important thing. It is better to look than be something. <laughs> <laughs> look, if Instagram and TikTok have taught us anything, it is that it is better to look the part. Yes. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. Yeah, I better drink. I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Madeline, I wanted to ask, so I'm I'm very intrigued by your writing process, writing them both separate. Because um, I know I follow you on Facebook. We are friends online. Yeah. We have not met in person yet. Yes. Um, yes. I feel like my hair is too terrible to ever go to Florida. So you're going to have to like come <laughs> north. I'm not going to um, lie. When you mentioned that you had a whole dress up box, I was like, we should totally go to Jennifer sometime and have a whole dress up party. Party party. Um, I have more than a dress up box. I have an entire giant walk-in closet that broke. The rod broke when I put all my costumes on. So um, Okay, well, I'm there. All right. Well, come on. Come party. on. Everybody party, party at my house, dress up party, grown-up dress up party with alcohol at my house. Um no gloves. No gloves. No, no gloves. Because then we can't drink. Yeah. So um when you said you wrote them separately, that sort of made sense to me because I watched you. That sounds so creepy. I watched you during the pandemic um, go on to separate Trip. research trips. Yes. And I was just like, God, those are months and months apart. Like, how did that, like, how did that work? Because yeah. I am the type of dork that has to write the story chronologically. Mm. Well, and, so and even I'm multiple POV, I'm like, nope, now it's so-and-so's chapter. <laughs> You know, and usually that's how I've always written too. In fact, I'm very type A. So the fact that I didn't do it that way, this was a, co a complete and total deviation from my norm. Um, but the reason why I had to do it that way is, is really like, even though they both sort of follow the same trajectory, they both had two very different stories. Yeah, um, they do. The settings were so vastly different. And I was worried that my brain would not transition fast enough. It's like, no, you know, can imagine it. And like you look down at something close and you look far away and they're like, takes mm -hmm. me like fuzzy yeah. for a long time. No, I get that. I was thinking like my that. brain would be like, wait, are we in France or are we in Portugal? What is going on? Can I get that chicken sausage? That's really what I want. <laughs> yeah. um, all right the, I, i'm back on the food again i i apologize but the fact that there's like, allison oh, is a foodie i am and i'm a foodie in books and your book both made me hungry and sad all at the same time for the lack of food mm -hmm. and like i'm drinking not real wine but the idea that they were drinking chicory instead of coffee just breaks my heart because i know there's still people from that generation who are like well yeah i got used to drinking chicory so i drink postum and i'm just going no yeah. It's I will coffee. say that coffee in Portugal is delicious. Is that the bica? Yeah. How do you pronounce that? Mm -hmm. It is so good. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, like when I was writing this, the book, um, really in my mind, my thought process was I wanted readers to read about Portugal and I wanted their mouths to water. Yeah. And then I wanted them to read about France and I wanted their stomachs to growl. And okay, well, you worked. So, it worked. It worked. You know, all the firsthand accounts that I read of, of life in France during the Nazi occupation, the overriding theme was hunger. They were always so hungry. Um, and, and so I really wanted to make sure that I showcased that um, and, and really like shared that through the character's perspective. Definitely well, I think there, there's like a scene you have in there, and it's not a spoiler because it, it doesn't give away a plot point, but where somebody sees what was left behind by Nazis who like, so everyone else is on rations. And even if you have a ration stamp, you have no guarantee you'll actually be able to get the thing because the bread isn't allowed to be sold while it's still fresh. And the Nazis leave behind a plate that still has like butter and meat juices and they're looking at these leftovers and the idea that they're like so hungry they would go eat Nazi leftovers and just the horrible grossness of, yes, everybody around me is starving, but I'm going to eat at a cafe and enjoy myself and leave the food out there. Oh, it's fine. It just... It, yeah, it was it, it, very well written. Let's put it that way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so did you have to research? I mean, obviously, uh, most of it was firsthand knowledge because you were reading letters and stuff. But like little things like saving the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Like, again, not a spoiler, but like such an incredible detail that I will say my my father was much older than my mother. He was a child during World War II, but he grew up, you know, during rations in our country. Yeah. And even he saved breadcrumbs. 
Yeah. But in growing up, we had for thickeners, you know, we had a jar of breadcrumbs in our house at all times. Like he would make toast and save the breadcrumbs and just be like, we can use this for gravy. We can use this for broth. We can to fortify it. Yeah. And this was the (laughs) eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and even, you know, just like, I remember one thing that I read about, well, that's the thing is that when I do my research, like I read dozens and dozens and I, I read every nonfiction book that I can possibly find that I can squeeze into my brain. If I could actually get like a matrix plug in the back of my brain, <laughs> like oh. I could really be the first candidate to be like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care if they're <laughs> <laughs> I, don't care. I just want to learn everything. Like I really, I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about research is really finding that those details that, that bring life back then into life in your brain, like while you're reading the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you do a lot of research before you even put fingertips yeah. to keyboard? Yes. So I actually, what you and I do, Jen, where we're like, I don't know, Google it as we're typing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that is opposite my Can- answers. <laughs> Water. So that explains a lot. I know. When you were just like, my plotting really worked. I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to try that sometime. Huh. I will say like when I was doing historical, when I was writing historical romance, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of the foundational knowledge um, for those particular stories already because I had written in Regency and Medieval and, and I had all of that knowledge right. um, you know, beforehand. So, so you I don't do it for every book. You're like, I know right. it now. Yeah. Okay. Like, I really was kind of just able to, you know, I, I do still plot because I, I am type A. Um, but, you know, I could, I could run through the plot and then just type it up really quick. But, but as far as, you know, um, with World War II historical fiction and being, um, you know, like a total research nerd, I want to learn everything that there possibly is about, about the, the characters, how they would live. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I can't actually even make these characters until I've done probably about nine months worth of research. And the reason for that is that I have to understand the, the, I have to put my finger on the pulse of the mood and the culture that they live in because everybody's reaction is going to be different to certain events, depending on, you know, how they've grown up and, and what's going on. And, um, you know, it, it really like somebody, for example, in France is going to react differently than somebody in Portugal than somebody in America. And so you have to understand, you know, who those people fundamentally are before you can even really start to build their character. I love that. So were, did you find the idea of the Americans going over to Portugal to, you know, take the magazines and newspapers. Did you find that piece of research while you were researching the last bookshop in London or were you just blanket researching World War II, everything? Oh my God. I'm always on the lookout, like as you're sort of drawing to a close on that next book or like even for me, like right now, um, because I do the character development and then I do the plot and then I write. And so my, my writing is like, I get to write in like three months and that's a little bit nerve wracking. That's where I am right now. Uh-huh. No um, pressure. My, my two and three a.m. wake up sweats. Like, oh my god, I only have like one and a half months left. Um, but you know, like, um, and then I totally deviated. My brain was like, there goes that. No, line. that's okay. I was literally just saying like, this is why our show is called Word Vomit. You were saying how like it's going to be different for where where they are, and the idea of like the American going there and they they're going to have a different reaction. Yes. I'm just still laughing at the fact that you said it takes like nine months, and I'm going. So it's basically you're birthing a baby. So you've got the nine that's months to period, really yeah. and then they show up, and then you're like, oh, that's who you are. Now I can write you. Because yes. and then you have to deal I'm, with them for three months. Yeah, and I'm just and then- like. Because I don't, I don't do the research aspect because I just make stuff up. But the idea of you need to know who this person is before you can have them do that, like minds up here more rather than historical. Because I don't do historical because I can't handle the research because no one can just plug it in my head. <laughs> but I did want to know: Did you have a whole book that was just about Jerusalem artichokes and rutabagas? <laughs> no, but they were mentioned so prevalently. So often, I was just like, Jerusalem artichokes must have. Everybody must have just been so sick of them. I, yes. And apparently they cause really bad indigestion and heartburn as well. That's all I could think during parts of this. I was like, uh, my body would not be able to handle all of those rutabagas. Yeah. Would have died. I'm sorry. I would have died. And when I, uh, um, I was trying to find pictures to like make the graphic for this episode. And I was like, (laughs) what should I, I was like, what are my things? I'm like, obviously Madeline's picture, obviously the book cover. I need something else. And I'm like, it's a rutabaga. No, (laughs) no, it's not a rutabaga. People are very confused by this book. I know people would be like, I don't understand like, what this is about. 
Is it Are like we the Vegas? Is, is like it like the world's time? saddest cookbook? <laughs> in, in in ways, but fortunately, we didn't it's the world's saddest cookbook spy. Right, but I will say that the picture of Lisbon that you got was really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I love Portugal. I will say I was only in Lisbon momentarily. Because I was supposed, like, I went to Porto. My husband mm -hmm. and I went to Porto. That's where we were supposed to go. Um, there was terrible weather. We landed in Lisbon. Nobody told us we were in Lisbon. Oh. Nobody told where anybody on work? our plane. We thought we were in Porto. And then I heard somebody go, I think this is the Lisbon airport. And we were like. They didn't even tell you you were at a different airport? They did not. I will not <laughs> I mention tell you where you landed. I will. No, they did not. An entire plane of people waiting for luggage was like, where are we? Oh, my um, God. At so least you were in the right country. We were in the right country. So that was a, a, a huge okay. bonus. And uh, they ended up putting our entire flight on buses and bust us across the country to Porto. So um, I was only in Lisbon momentarily. Got to see a ton of Portugal because those are on opposite ends of the coast. Well, at least it's a small country. Yeah. So, you know, it's so it was only, country. it was seven hours. Oh, so you were, going, were you going like this one? <laughs> I know. We were like, wait, how long is it going to take us to get across the country? They're like, oh, seven hours. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I would have rather. Coast to spend... California. That's yeah. it. Well, actually, when, so when we went to Lisbon, we actually encountered some issues because this was, you know, um, and I was actually, I was very grateful that we got the opportunity to even travel at all. Um, and, and to take a quick step back, the reason why we actually did them individually um, was not to save money because that did not happen for sure. <laughs> it would have been way cheaper to have done them together. But when I went to France, Portugal was closed. And when I went to Portugal, France had just closed. And I was so grateful that I had had the opportunity to go to France yeah. while I could. Um, so my husband came with me to Lisbon and, but um, not right away. Well, it's because <laughs> that was back when you had to have the PCR. Um, and so I got my results and he did not get his results. And I, I, you know, it was one of those things where if he and I were just going on vacation, I would have stayed back with him. But I was like, uh, this is literally for work. Like yeah, I can't. Like, Honey, clothes, I love you. you. Know, like, this is my life right now. Yeah. Bye. I have, you know, I have seven days in Portugal. I have all of this research that I need to do. I have tours that are booked and paid for. Like, you know, I'll have to see you there. And fortunately, within 24 hours, he he was there. But it was really awful. Like I remember like walking away from security and like you know, my lip is quivering and I'm like, I'm like crying and like trying to like my mask like covers it up. But I was, I was so upset. It was really so sad to just like leave him. Of and I was course. like on the phone with him, like, I love you. Okay, did that inspire any of the storylines? I mean, you were only separated for like a day or two, well, but you, you have you know where it came from. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a little bit of romantic angst. Yeah. Involved, but there, so there are, know. there are husbands and wives and loved ones separated as happens in war. Oh, and yeah. the fact that you've got multiple characters having that happen, you're like, I'm drawing on the fact that my husband didn't get his PCR, but <laughs> probably a lot worse because you know, the PCR, you knew he was okay. It was just a matter of not traveling okay. together. Not, oh, hey, he's being denied a visa, and here you've got a, a person already in America, and the rest of the family's not, and this person's in the war. Because you have you have two different storylines, but there are supporting characters in both storylines. So it's right. like, I, I'm wearing the victory red, not even in, order, in honor of Elaine, because I don't remember her really wearing much of the victory. It was Nicole who did, who's a blonde. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't dye my hair blonde or wear a blonde wig, because... I, my I, hair, I almost I did until I realized I could not wear my French outfit because I wore my French outfit just like a month ago on a show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't wear my black and white striped shirt. And that again, I'm wearing it. I know. I was like, I was going to wear this, and she's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I have that same outfit. I'll, I'll wear that. It. I will be. I shall be French today. Oh, you will be French. I shall be French. <laughs> Yeah, you have these you have these amazing supporting cast. So it's like in many ways they are two different books that you wrote simultaneously. Right. So it's like so if I'm following the, the you wrote Ava's story first and then Elaine's or Elaine's and then Ava's because you went to Elaine's country. Right. right. I went I wrote Elaine's first and then okay. I wrote Ava's. Okay. Yes. Okay, that would make more sense. Because right I'm like after. you were in France. Yes. Elaine is. Okay. Yes. I'm following. And then at the very end, um, after both of those, I ended up going to DC and I got to go to the Library of Congress as well. 
to touch so, them. Allison and I just had like dork face completely. We're like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say in the course of two months, I had seven PCR tests for all of this travel. Which, Every time you go someplace, ask me again. I mean, I'm telling you by the time, well, and the very last one was to go into the Library of Congress because uh, they had like, because of course, everything is always so up in the air. Right. It was like, do I need to have a PCR test? Like, can I go? Like, do I have to sign up in advance? Blah, blah, blah. So I was reading through and it said, if you have traveled out of the country within, it oh, was like or something, then you needed to have the PCR test. And I had just gotten back from Lisbon like 10 days before. So I had to have the PCR test. So I got the PCR test and I had to make sure it was within so many hours. And how about they never even freaking asked me for it? I'm so sorry. touched for this. Okay. And also I'm a little the confused. The PCR test is not a joking matter. No, it is but like also underneath your eyeball. Yeah. They'll check your eye color from the back. Here's right. The question guys, books can't get COVID. So what were they worried about you doing in the library? Like, I think it's because just it doesn't, well, have the, it doesn't have good air circulation or what's the deal? Well, you still were around people because okay. they have librarians and everything, but mm -hmm. it just, you know, it, it wasn't my favorite, but I will say like of all of the PCR tests, um, I have to say that France was by far the worst because like oh, they, and they knew you were an American and they were like, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it was that. I had a friend they used a baguette. <laughs> 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 so what do we do is, uh, and this wasn't just me. I was, I was actually consulting with a couple of friends who were traveling internationally for research then too. And, and France, this was their thing, I guess. But they take the little nose rod and mm -hmm. they touch your brain with it. And then they take their hand off and they leave it for 30 seconds. And everything in your head liquefies out of it. Out of oh my God. Oh. And, and, then, and oh. then they do the other nostril the exact <laughs> same way. And you're so just like already brain traumatized from the first horrible. one. You're just like, let's make sure we get everything. Is that, is that any, is that mucus or spinal fluid? I'm not sure anymore. Cause yeah. we may have ruptured something. That it's like, yeah. the, it was, it's it was like the weird brutal. brain fluid. Um, yeah. I will say I didn't travel during the height of COVID at all, but when I finally did travel, it was right before they like lifted the ban, lifted the ban. So oh. we had to test before we came home and I was on all of the message boards for the country we were traveling in. It was Iceland and like, it was like, are there nicer places to get tested? Because there are some places you I've heard this from other countries where it's like, there's some that are like, they barely do it. Like, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, but Iceland, <laughs> Iceland's, a tiny, there? Iceland's a tiny country. There was like, really, we had two choices, like at the airport. Regardless of whether you're getting tested there or even our pediatrician, I know which of the nurses are harder than my children. I'm like, oh, she's nice. Don't go oh, that, that one. Oh, that one. I think she sticks her like up to the elbow. That's not <laughs> good. I know. I was watching like the two people giving PCR tests, like as my husband and I were like in line. And I'm like, oh, I hope Shifting I don't get line. the guy. I hope I don't get the guy. I hope I don't get the guy. <laughs> it's like a grocery store checkup, but way worse. You know, yeah. oh, which line do I get? And I'm like, I picked the wrong one. I picked the wrong one. It's fine. Uh, I needed my brain tickled. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but and he and I had that like weird conversation that you have in like bus stations where it's like, if you're po COVID positive, I'll stay here with you. Yeah. And I'm like, and we'll go broke because it's so expensive. Well, I actually <laughs> did get insurance too before, uh, beforehand I had travel insurance and they actually have a COVID clause. So if something happens and you test positive for COVID, they actually will pay for your stay while you're there. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's yeah. I, I always, I will say, and I'm going to advocate this and uh, advocate this hundred percent, always get trip insurance. Um, I had a friend who went like on a month long trip to Europe and broke her leg the first day. <laughs> No! Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Well, um, so many cobblestone yeah. streets. I'm surprised. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised it doesn't so, happen all the time. But Elisa wants to know if the book you're currently writing is also set during World War II, and that's one set in Poland, I'm guessing, or another World time War period. Time. I'm assuming it is, but I don't want to answer for you. That one is also World War II. It's set in Warsaw, Poland, and I have um, two protagonists in this one as well. Although, because they are closely uh, linked together, I am doing every other chapter as I'm writing this one. Okay. Um, but one has friends, one will be in the Warsaw ghetto, and one will be out on the Polish side. Very nice. But hopefully that won't, it won't require this, though. Hold on. Okay. Right. Ooh, I'm all right.
<laughs> but I know what you mean, because even when I'm writing, if I'm away from the manuscript for a while, which has been the case, just getting my brain back in it, I can't imagine hopping because in, in many ways, you're, you're manuscript hopping, even if they're ultimately going to be in the same book, they're set in different countries. And yes, they're set in the same time period, but they're going through totally different things. And the idea is your cat running into things. Yes, your cat. Has the cone of shame. She just got it for the first time today, and bless her heart, she's just running into everything. Where's the cat? Well, I will say, right as you did that, my dog is on um, a CBD thing for the first time today, and he's 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 gone now. But like a second ago, his face was like on my leg, and I'm like. I don't know if he's cool. <laughs> oh, if his face is on my leg again, he's is fine. He tri- he's back. Is he tripping out? No, I think he's just like mellow dog. A little bit mellow, but he knows I'm talking about him because now he is right under my foot. Is he like wagging his little tail? I know he's like, I am I on your podcast, mommy? Yes, you are. Oh, yes, yes, you are. Yes. But okay, so so the the Poland story, so it's set in the same general time period is your game plan to make sure you write books set in every country that was involved in world war ii to justify traveling all over the world because i applaud that idea to just keep up well what was happening in world war ii well i need to hit hawaii now because that was, that was an important place you should do um, one that's hawaii and czech republic because czech republic was also yeah i don't want to say neutral but it's like prague was one of the few cities that nothing was destroyed I'm not trying to just get you vacations, Natalie. So you could do like very hard Frog Hawaii. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, well, it's mainly wherever I can find a story idea. And I didn't intentionally do in new, um, like, you know, new countries. In fact, I will say with the librarians by researching three countries for one book, Man, uh, I love research, but even that was a lot for me to chew on just because it was a Poland. I can't handle more. Just yeah. Poland this time. But, um, but you know, really, it just depends on whatever the story is. That it, because I really do like to be inspired by actual things that happened. So it really is going to basically be, you know, what particular happens with this. I actually have like about five ideas already kind of rolling in my head for my um because this last book deal that I got was a two book deal, one for the keeper of hidden books, which is my next book. Um, and then, and then another book that I don't and have. Then, and then the, the, the bookish world war two of books. Yes. World well, war they two. all have books somewhere. Cause we have bookshop librarian. Cause I know Jen and I were talking and this is not a spoiler, but we're like, Hmm, I wonder why Ava got the title. Elaine didn't, and maybe it's just because you wanted to have the word "librarian spy" is just a kick-ass title. It's the brand. Yeah. Well, um, I have to say that when you know when it comes to the title, um, like I didn't really actually have me say. <laughs> so there we get that. Yeah, but I did. I did really want. It was very important to me to be able to have both women represented on the cover. They are yes. I do like, like, ultimately, it is Ava's story because she is the. Um, you know, she's the initial character and then she's the last character to kind of have her say. But I really do feel like this story is about both of these women's efforts. Oh, and, and absolutely. The, Very equally. Everything that they've done, you know, really in the war. So, um, so yes, I'm, I'm so grateful that they got to have both of them on the cover. Um, but as far as like if I'm going for a bookish theme, I don't know, like part of me is kind of like I'm, I don't want to like pigeonhole myself into yeah, that. You're like. This niche is getting tight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially if you narrow it down to like, it has to be World War II. It has to be bookish themed. It yeah. has like, you know, yeah, I can see that it it can get a little stifling. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, you can also branch into science fiction for this because here nerd i was reading your book and when i got to the part where they start talking about the maquis i'm like i thought star trek voyager made that up i had no idea it was a real term i googled it i'm going oh well that makes sense they took it from that they didn't just make it up i didn't know it was spelled that way i assumed it was something they made up for their star trekiness and i'm just going how much of an idiot am i (laughs) i thought it was really awesome but the thing is you know a lot of times like with fantasy and science fiction that inspiration comes from somewhere so now you got to learn a little bit of, of Trekkie, um, you know, 
trivia that, no, that nobody else knows. It's the only reason I can name any of the moons is because there's usually a space station named after my Ganymede. I know that one. Oh, yeah, on Eros. I know these. Do you know these? No, no. I know who lives there, though. Nobody lives there. Well, they do in my world, okay? They do inside my world. And I will something. Go ahead. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned book nerd, as I think most people are. I love that this book literally checked off a lot of my boxes because it had Anna Green Gables, it had yes. Little Women, Rebecca, it had Secret Garden, and it had Rebecca. Yes. I was yes. like, are these all of the books that are my core memories? Is that what is happening? I think Madeline uh, shares them with you. So she's just like putting hers in there. She's like, mm-hmm. I know. It's just like, Anna Green Gables. No. Anna Green Gables. Oh, it's my favorite book. I'm like, everyone's like, what's your favorite book? I was so excited when I found a good spot for the Secret Garden to go in. I know because that's, you know, it, it was, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil really. anything, but I, I don't feel like the, the little girl in the secret garden is overly likable until you understand her. And I think you yeah. handled that very well. Thank you. <laughs> because I was like, like hmm, I don't not like only a novel. Girl. It is yeah. a defense of the protagonist <laughs> of the garden, which I read as a child. I don't remember not liking her, but I don't remember it very well. Cause I was, oh, little was when I read it, it was like, <laughs> she was a brat. I reread brat. most of these when I was in my late twenties. Cause okay, I was that like, because I, I'm I, like, I want to relive my childhood. And, and maybe I, I didn't get she was a brat because I related. I'm like, yep, seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. She's normal. She's yeah. a normal girl. <laughs> well, Madeline, we've babbled a lot at you. I'm so excited for your next book. I'm thrilled that we got to have you here for the Librarian Spy. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Um, we were thrilled to have you for the last bookshop in London. Um, I will say I loved this book. Thank you. So everybody make sure you definitely check out The Librarian Spy. Um, I'm just going to do a little shameless plug for Allison and I next week. Next week is our 100th episode. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Um, I know. And last year was our, last year, last week was our two year anniversary. So I wish we could have somehow synced those up, but we are not going to coordinate that well. Yeah, yeah, it's the most like forethought planning and stuff, though. I know, I'm like, that would be require like plotting. Like, going, <laughs> what if we did that like, at the same from time? From a couple like, of panthers, as if. I know. All of a sudden, yes, it was just like, oh, happening. crap, it's our 100th episode. You get to celebrate twice, so that, do. that's awesome. And we are celebrating next week with the fantastic author, Sean S.A. Cosby, author of Blacked Up Wasteland, Razorblade Tears, and the winner of every award that you can think mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And we are very excited yeah. to if have we Sean just, back. If we just tried to do the opening with listing all his awards, we would be done with the show. We would <laughs> I kind of want to like make a scroll and be like, <laughs> like Star Wars credits. The winner of, he would just be like, I'm just going to sit here and drink until you are done. And uh, <laughs> you just get up and walk away. We'd like, be like, I know, I'll see you when you're done with that. We'll um, so that will be next week on Wednesday, same time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, other time zones in between. Uh, we don't know those. No, we don't know them. As it's much. three for me, six for you. The rest, awesome. we, we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like four and five. And Mountain mm-hmm. Central, I always confuse. So, mm-hmm. same thing. Madeline, thank you so much for being here. Thank Yay. you so much for being I love you, ladies. Love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for like putting up with our costumes. And- I love it. <laughs> like, how long do we have to figure out what to wear from Poland? I mean, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, it's going to be another 40s outfit for me. I'm not wearing fur because A, I don't wear fur. B, it's hot here. I don't want to come on. You yeah. might have some in yours already, but. I do have some furs. Yes. <laughs> we'll just have to go there and have it there. I mean, if we there. do like an all in person from my costume closet episode of Fox Mama, that would be amazing. Um, let's just talk that through later <laughs> on. I'm like, well, let's coordinate that. Um, whoever's listening, make a note. <laughs> I'm like, that should be me. I should make a note. That would be you. <laughs> That'd be me. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching, and we will see you all next week. Bye.